Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. Hello. I should have had, like, Eminem's uh, Look Who's Back song playing. You should have. But it probably would have taken too long. Are you happy I'm back? I am. I don't like doing them alone. Yeah. I got to adjust my microphone, sorry. I got to say, though, you did a pretty good job. I listened to it. Mm. It did. Eh. Eh. It's all right. Put it towards your mouth. I know. I'm trying. There's nothing to prop it up on either. Whatever. You like my idea? I do. That's what I'm saying. I don't have anything to prop mine up on. Yeah. Oh, well. It's a little low, so I figure this would help. So people can actually fucking hear you? Yeah. I try. I pumped up the volume. I try talking louder. We'll give this a shot. So now it's like equally level to my mouth. See, that sounds good. Should I prep mine up? Maybe. I don't know. You're just, you're loud, so. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I didn't mean it to be mean. You just, of course you're you, a loud of course person. you didn't, right? I don't have anything to prop it up on anyway, so whatever. Mm. Well, tell me how much you missed me. I missed you. Liar. D- really? Mm-hmm. 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 It was five whole days, baby. Yeah, I'm aware. Mm. I was missing you. Don't don't grunt like I don't know what happened. I needed my meds adjusted. No, I know, but don't grunt at me like I had no idea what happened. And are you proud of me? They the hospital did absolutely nothing for my mental health, which great. Yeah. Um but <clears throat> they had me detox fentanyl. So got that out of the way. Yeah, and it was awful. Yeah. It was fucking awful. Whatever they gave me to help the side effects. Oh my god. And literally I felt my body starting to shake and I got so nervous like 20 minutes after they ripped the patch off. 20 minutes I started shaking. Oh, I'm sure. And then they gave me that other medicine or whatever yeah. for the side effects. And then, like, I I was, like, tripping. You were in fucking La La Land, you it, called It me. was worse than that. Like, it was like I <clears throat> took, like, I've never done shrooms, but I got to say, like, it, it probably felt like that. Which kills me because I take literally the exact same medication for my shoulder, and it doesn't even make me tired. Oh, it, it was fucking terrible. It's bullshit. And, but it was just that one day. Yeah. But I don't remember, like, I remember getting loopy and, like, getting out of it. And my body, like, my heart starting to race. And, like, I was starting to freak out. And then they fucking closed the door and put me in a dark room. Oh, helpful. Yeah. Even better. So Great. On Thank the fucking, you. Not even a bed, a fucking cot. So I started shaking. And then I remember praying. And then that's all I remember. So let me just start by saying the ER was was great with what they had to do. But the state of mental health care in the state of Illinois is fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So because I have all my health issues. Which is what's causing your mental health issues. Right. They cannot treat me. You Okay. You would have to go to a specific medical facility right so first we were told nobody would accept him then we were told they were understaffed and then we were told no one would take 
take me because of the fentanyl patch. So, so we took why, the patch off. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we'll place you right away. And then... Everyone started denying me. Right. Because the medical facilities have no staff. So I, I sat, literally sat in limbo in an ER room away from everyone else for five fucking days. Mm-hmm. Not being treated for no. what we went in for. No, they, because it's not an ER thing to treat. No. It's it's not something that the ER would treat. You were just in hold down there. They would come in. every. I had a, a different nurse every seven hours. So I they, they would have to go through all my medications. Mm-hmm. They'd forget half of them. Mm-hmm. I'd tell them for the a thousandth, a thousandth time, just call my wife. Like, dude, I don't fucking well, remember. Right. And, I don't know. And they did. Like I said, the nursing staff in the ER, was they were great. They were, considering the situation. But it's just sad that in this day and age, you go in to be treated for an issue... And you're told because of your other medical issues, uh, nah, can't do much. Yeah. Sorry. So, so that that's their responses. So it sucked. Yeah. So their backup plan, their plan B, I'm going to call uh, tomorrow and we'll see how this yeah. works. Great. So plan B is square one. Awesome. Yeah. So excited. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, so it's been a long five days. Pedal. A lot of time to watch TV. Um, I watched some old shows again that, like Roseanne, holy shit, underrated. Hilarious. Totally underrated. Fucking hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, the Goldbergs, fucking. I love that show. I never watched that show, and then I just had it on because I was getting ready to turn it off. And then the two younger brothers were arguing over some girlfriend or something. And the older brother actually called the dude, the younger brother, a sausage gobbler, which (laughs) you called to tell me that you were going to say on the next podcast. So there you go. You said it. Like I was so surprised they said it on TV, but like, that's just an awesome word. Sure. It's awesome. Okay. So, yeah, that's great. And I'm then happy I, you learned something new. I caught up on some more friends. and then, I do love friends. Uh, some Golden Girls. Uh, listen, classic. Yep. It's and classic. That's pretty much all the channels I would get. There is a... Ah, I forgot the name of the fucking group. It's almost like a play where it, it's a group of, of... I honestly don't know if they're men or women. I probably should have looked into that. But they like reenact episodes of golden girls on stage oh that's cool i need to find them yeah i would go see it yeah that's amazing i mean dude rose and sophia they're fucking hysterical you know it's funny so they say sophia is the way that she is because she had a stroke which fucked up her frontal lobe which is like your your inhibitions and your ability to like shut up yeah Pretty sure that's where yours got fucked up, too. I'm pretty sure it did, too. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. It is what it is. Well, whatever. I don't fucking care anymore. No. <laughs> you gotta, you're stuck with me. Yeah. You got to deal with me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yep. But I did miss you. You did a, a good job on your own. I was kind of sad that you had to do it on your own. The like little, Oh, the podcast? Yeah. I didn't do any promoting, which I, I didn't have fucking time. Like, I just didn't have time. 
Yeah, I, I could see because the house is so clean. Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> For real? I love you. I love you, babe. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your your legs don't work, correct? Right? Yeah. Are your fucking hands painted on? <laughs> I hey, I swept when I came. Are home. your hands painted on? I, I swept when it's I. It's not came what home. I fucking asked you. Are uh, your hands painted on? Mm, Are they? I stick by my answer. That you swept when you got home? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> do you want a gold star? I kind of do, or a cookie. Oh, or you could get fucked. How about that? <laughs> oh, God. The love. Un-fucking-believable. What the hell was that? I don't know. It's your fucking stupid computer. I think I got an email. Hello. Don't care. <laughs> no. Not even a little bit. Uh, all right. So this case you told me about like a week ago. Yeah. It's, sounds kind of interesting. So it's definitely a true crime uh, popular one. Like if you're interested in true crime, you probably know. So it's the Ken and Barbie killers. Mm. So it's Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. And... I think the only thing I read was they were out of Canada. Yes, this is a Canadian story. Hey. Yes, it's Canadian. Yeah, I saw their picture, saw they were out of Canada. and. Did that... you see why they call them Ken and Barbie? Yeah. Because they look I like mean, Ken and Barbie. Kind of. I mean, it was the 80s. Yeah, I guess. That's it for the 80s, I guess. I don't fucking know. I mean, they're not like... Both of them weren't, like, extremely good looking. By the time he went to court, he was, like, part of the flock of seagulls. That's what he looked like. Yeah, he did. So, did you see that picture? Yeah. But, no, whatever. I don't know. Well, why don't you uh, start it off? All right. So, Carla Homolka was born Carla Leanne Homolka on May 4th of 1970 in Missawaga, Ontario, Canada. I am going to mispronounce fucking everything, and I don't care because I didn't have time to look it up, so I apologize. Mm. Uh, Her parents were Corel and Dorothy Homoka. She did have uh, two siblings, Lori Homoka, who also goes by the name Logan Valentini, which makes me wonder if Lori is now a him. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't find much about it. So. Whatever, each his own. Logan's yeah. a cool name. Uh, and Tammy Homoka. So her father was a Czechoslovakian immigrant. I spelled that right the first time, by the way. Let me just throw that out Good there. Good job. Uh, who liked to get drunk and fight his wife while Carla and her younger sisters watched. Oh, that's a good day. Uh, Carla was an asthmatic, so these fights generally caused it to flare up and caused her to be hospitalized. She was a bright student who liked to draw and was liked by her teachers, but described as bossy by her classmates. She said she loved animals and even worked part-time at a pet shop um, as a teen, but she once took a friend's hamster and threw it out the window, killing it. Jesus. I mean, who did? What? Who does that? Hey, let's see if he can fly. Right. It's one of those, like... You have that fleeting thought, like, I wonder what would happen if I did this. But then, like, the normalcy takes over, and you're like, no, I can't fucking right. do that. Apparently, she was just like, I'm going to see if this fucking thing yeah. can fly. Cool. 
Um, so around 12, she started reading Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, which uh, people said she then became obsessed with crime. Oh, boy. Yeah. Because your... fucking Nancy Drew is going to make you want to murder people. Okay. Idiot. Uh, as she got older, she became interested in the occult and would call spirits with friends. I'm thinking like Ouija board spirits, which, no, nope, I'm out. Yeah, uh, out. During high school, she was a nonconformist regarding fashion, giving the impression that she didn't give a shit what other people thought about her. Hey. She often fantasized about weird situations related to death and once attempted to cut herself with a knife. I don't think she actually wanted to cut herself. I think she wanted people to think she was going to cut yeah, herself. right. I don't know. Uh, in high school, she started dating a boy named Doug. She did admit to having sex with him and experimenting with drugs. Carla then met Paul Bernardo, which I spelled wrong, um, at a convention in Toronto when she was 17. Hmm. Paul Bernardo now. He was born Paul Kenneth Bernardo on August 27, 1964, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. His parents were Kenneth and Marilyn Bernardo. Uh, he did have an older brother and an older sister whose names I couldn't find. Uh, Marilyn ended up having an affair with a former boyfriend and became pregnant with, they think was Paul. They don't know if it was his or his actual dance. Yeah. Um, they don't know who the real father is, but Kenneth is listed on the birth certificate as the biological father. Right. Uh, in 1975, however, Kenneth was charged with child molestation after fondling a little girl. It also came out shortly after that that he had also been molesting his daughter. Oh, my God. So I'm pretty sure he might have been the biological father and not the fucking boyfriend because yeah. of where he goes, you know? Um, Marilyn became so depressed she withdrew from the family and lived in the basement of their Scarborough home. The older kids were deeply and emotionally affected, but Paul seemed to really just not give a shit. Mm. Uh, he was described as sweet, polite, well-mannered, um, and a happy boy who smiled a lot. After a particularly nasty fight with his parents, his mother told him about his actual father situation. Could have been the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. To which he responded by openly calling her a, quote, slob and a whore. He was 16. Paul graduated from Sir Winfred Collegiate Institute and worked for Amway. Do you know what Amway is? No. It's an MLM, so the multi-level marketing company. It sells health, beauty, and home care products. I've heard of it. I don't know if it's still around. I think it is still around. Mm, I don't know. Whatever. You it's it's know it's one of those that like you buy a bunch of shit and then try and get your friends to buy a bunch of like shit. Mary and, Kay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. Not like Mary Kay. Well, maybe. I guess. Not. That was the point. Mary Kay, you just like sell makeup. The one, okay, so the, remember when we were talking about the Watts? She yeah. worked for Lavelle? Yeah. That's what it is, essentially. That okay. same kind of company. Um, Paul then attended the University of Toronto in Scarborough, which was right by his house. Uh, by this time, he had developed dark sexual fantasies and enjoyed humiliating women in public and beating up the women he dated Along with forceful anal sex. Stand-up guy. Yeah. I do have a... Hang on. I got asterisks. Uh-oh. Oh, I think I included it in something else. So, um, in October of 1987, Paul met Carla Homoka, um, at 
a hotel restaurant while she was attending a conference for pet stores. Hmm. So, All right. cool. Um, now, starting in 1987, multiple attempted and completed sexual assaults uh, escalating in viciousness began happening in and around Scarborough. Um, May 4th, 1987, a 21-year-old was raped in front of her parents' home. On May 14th, a 19-year-old was raped in her parents' backyard. On June 17th, there was an attempted rape of a young woman, but she um, tried to fight off the attacker, was beaten in the process, but he ran. September 29th, there was another attempted rape of a 15-year-old girl after breaking into her home. The attacker fled after her mother came into her room. Uh, Subsequently, a 19-year-old man named Anthony Hanemeyer was convicted of sexual assault in this crime in 1989 and served 16 months in prison. He, however, was exonerated in 2006. Oh, wow. Uh, December 16th, a 15-year-old girl was raped. The next day, the Metropolitan Toronto Police issued a warning to women in Scarborough traveling alone at night, especially those riding buses, because it seemed that most of these rapes were happening after these women would leave a bus shelter right. which is a bus stop so yeah. uh december 23rd a 17 year old girl was raped with a knife that was believed to have been used to threaten other victims and other attacks the attacker is now being called the scarborough rapist hmm. on april 18th of 1988 a 17 year old girl is attacked on may 25th the attacker is almost caught by police as he was stalking out a bus shelter he escapes on foot uh, on May 30th, an 18-year-old is raped in Mississauga, Ontario, which is 25 miles from Scarborough and also the hometown of Carla. Mm-hmm. October 4th, there was an attempted rape in Scarborough. The atten- intended victim fought him off, but he was able to stab her once in the thigh and once in the buttock, requiring 12 stitches. On November 16th, an 18-year-old was raped again in parents' backyard. On November 17th, the Metro Police form a task force to capture the Scarborough rapist. On December 27th, attempted rape, neighbor chased off the attacker. Like, there's no time in between, you know? Right. Um, July 20th of 1989, there was an attempted rape. Uh, The person screams, alerted the neighbors, and the the attacker fled with scratches on his face. August 15th of 1989, a 22-year-old woman was raped. November 21st of 89, a 15-year-old was raped after being seen at a bus shelter. December 22nd, a 19-year-old was raped. I'm almost done with them, don't worry. On May 26th of 1990, a 19-year-old was raped. However, the victim's vivid recollection of her attacker enabled the police to create a computer composite sketch. It was released two days later by police and published in Toronto and area newspapers. The sketch strongly resembled Paul Bernardo. Like, ridiculous. I'll have to show you later. Yeah. Uh, in 1987, Paul graduated from college and got a job as a junior accountant in Prince Waterhouse. His dating activities slowed down after one of his last girlfriends, Jennifer Thompson, threatened to go to the police regarding his abusive behavior. It wouldn't have been the first time, though. In 1986, two women were granted restraining orders against Paul after continuous obscene phone calls. In October of 87, Paul and Carla meet at a hotel restaurant where Carla's there for, obviously, a conference for the store she's working for. She was 17. He was 23. 
At the time, the age of majority in Ontario was 18 and the age of consent in Canada was 14. Now, I did not know the difference. So the age of majority is basically when you're declared an adult by the law. Age of consent is specific to sexual activity. Really? So it's the age at which a person is considered to be legally competent to consent to sexual acts. Makes sense. So I didn't know there was a difference. Uh, Paul and Carla were instantly attracted to each other. And they had sex a couple hours after meeting with their friends present. Hmm. I don't know if that meant their friends were watching or if they were there. I don't know. It's kind of odd for the first time. Right. Um, they soon discovered they shared the same sadomasochist desires. Uh, do you know what sadomasochist is? I had to look it up. Like satanic? No. It's sexual gratification from the infliction of physical pain or hu- humiliation, either on another person or on one's self. Hmm. So you like to be hurt and you like hurting other people. Hmm, they're freaks. Yeah. I didn't know that. I had to look it up. Um, One of Paul's fantasies was to build a, quote, virgin farm. (laughs) Yeah. Where he would breed virgin girls for rape. He would breed them. With who? Who are you breeding them with? You? (laughs) Wow. So he would eventually become pissed off that Carla was not a virgin when they met. Mm. So hence the virgin farm, I guess. Uh, So they immediately became a couple. Paul would drive to St. Catharines twice a week to visit Carla. And unlike his previous girlfriends, Carla not only submitted to Paul's sexual behavior, but she encouraged it. Mm, she's a trooper. Or a fucking nutball. Hey. Mm-hmm. So he slowly began to control every aspect of her life, including deciding how she would dress, style, eat, and believe. She wrote his indications on a, quote, self-improvement list. And this list said... Be a perfect girlfriend for Paul. Remember, you're stupid. Remember, you're ugly. Remember, you're fat. I don't know why I tell you these things, because you never change. Oh, Jesus. Love is in the air. Yeah. Yeah. So, while in high school, Carla worked part-time as a vet tech in addition to the pet store. In 1988, Carla graduated high school and was hired as a full-time vet tech by Thorhold Veterinary Clinic. She would later work at Martindale Animal Clinic. There's a point to that, I promise. Okay, sure. You're like, what the fuck ever? Yeah, sure. Um, So Paul had a hobby that Carla soon became aware of and possibly even started participating in. Uh Uh-oh. He liked to follow girls and women from bus shelters and rape them. Paul was the Scarborough Rapist. So, by the beginning of 1990, Paul was spending large amounts of time with the Homoko family, who definitely liked him. He did not tell the family at this point he had lost his job and was now making money smuggling cigarettes across the U.S.-Canadian border. Are they more expensive in Canada? Uh, Shit, I don't know. I mean, everything's more expensive in Canada, but their currency is different. The exchange rate is different. Yeah, I don't know. know. Uh, In May of 1990, police received two tips that the Scarborough rapist was Paul Bernardo. One was from a bank employee, and another was from Tina Smyrnas, who was the wife of one of the three Smyrnas brothers, who were Paul's closest friends. She told detectives that Paul had, uh, quote, been called in on a previous rape investigation in December of 1987, but was never interviewed. So there's nothing on it. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. 
Uh, he frequently talked about his sex life to the Smyrnases, saying he liked rough sex. Police never followed up on any of these tips as they were overwhelmed with other tips coming in. Jeez. The more time he spent with the Homoka family, the more obsessed he became with Carly's younger sister, Tammy, who was 15. He would peep into her window and masturbate to her while she slept. Carla helped him by breaking the blinds in Tammy's bedroom window to allow Paul better access. What the oh, it gets fuck? worse, babe. Um, per Paul, he at one point took Tammy across the border to get beer. Uh, how close is fucking Toronto to the border? Like, I didn't think it was that close. I didn't think it was either, but uh, I don't know. I should have looked. I didn't have time. Uh, he ended up telling Carla that while they were there, they, quote, got drunk and began making out. Obviously, we don't know if there's any truth to that. Right. Uh, July 24th of 1990, Paul stated that Carla laced Tammy's spaghetti dinner with Valium that she had stolen from her job at the Martindale Animal Clinic. Hmm. Tammy lost consciousness and Paul attempted to rape her but was unsuccessful after Tammy woke up just a minute later. Over the summer, Paul supplied Tammy and her friends with gifts, food, and sodas, which I, I don't like the word sodas, but cool, um, that, quote, had a film and white flecks on top per her friends. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, November 20th of 1990, police finally follow up on the tips from May and brought Paul in for an interview. Hmm. This interview lasted 35 minutes. And they asked him why he thought he was being interviewed for the rapes, and he said it was because he looked like the composite sketch, which he fucking did. Yeah, you're going to have to show me. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, so blood, saliva, and hair samples were voluntarily uh, given by Paul, but not tested for two years. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, boy. So now Carla decides she wants to give Paul a special Christmas present. I need a mm. drink. Hang on. I'm about to open a fucking white cloth for real. Go for it. Babe, take a puff. You've you've had a, a rough week. I have. Take a puff. I mean, not cleaning the house and all was very tiring. <laughs> Fucker. Breathe it in. Get a good Oh, that's a long one. Uh, by the way, Toronto is an hour and 43-minute drive to the border. Oh. Okay, but why couldn't you buy beer in Toronto? I don't know. But that's... That's not that bad. No. I thought it was too far for fucking beer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. So Carla decides she wants to give Paul a special present for Christmas. Mm, Can't wait. Uh, (laughs) Don't get that excited. Uh, Because she was not a virgin when they met. She wanted to, quote, give Tammy's virginity to Paul for Christmas. They didn't tell Tammy, though. They didn't include include her in Uh. on this decision. Yeah, they didn't tell her. So Carla came up with a plan. She stole the anesthetic halothane from the animal clinic, which is why I told you the animal clinic would come up. So real quick, halothane is a general anesthetic that's used um, through inhalation. It's used to start and maintain general anesthesia. Mm -hmm. However, the side effects are really shitty. It causes like slow cardiac output and hepatitis and whatever. So you can't get it in the U.S. anymore. Yeah. Um, and I don't even think they use it in vets anymore. Oh, really? Because it's just, it's a shitty drug. Yeah. Okay. So the pair then slipped rum in her eggnog and got it past Carla's parents eggnog. to give to Tammy. Yeah. I know, it's so fucking gross. Just give me the rum. Yeah. 
Um, they had oh laced it with sleeping pills also. After the parents Jesus, went to how sleep, how much shit are you putting in there? A lot. So well, she fucking woke up the first time. They don't want to take that chance again. Salad minute. You need more than that apparently. So after the parents went to sleep, they all went to the basement to continue drinking. Now Tammy's room was in the basement. Yeah. Once Tammy became unconscious, unconscious. Uh, really. Fuck, man. Yeah, you're struggling. Yeah, with no, words. like, no kidding. She became unconscious. Um, yeah, you think? <laughs> they undressed her, and Paul proceeded to rape her while Carla videotaped it. These two are now, while she's videotaping it, she is holding a rag soaked with halothane over Tammy's mouth and nose. Jesus. Almost like chloroform. Except there's more of a chemical agent to halothane. So, um, I did, oh, I did write down what it was. So you're doing more damage to her than anything, right? Yeah. Like, I, the sleeping pills and the fucking rum would have been more than enough. Yeah. More than enough. So, Tammy is unconscious, and she's knocked out. Tammy's knocked out. Yeah. (laughs) She's sleepy. She uh, is knocked out and eventually begins to vomit. Um, She stopped breathing after Carla held her down to try and clear her throat of the vomit, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Paul and Carla attempted to revive Tammy, and it didn't work, so they tried to cover it up. They dressed her and moved her to her bedroom before calling 911. Carla placed the 911 call saying Tammy wasn't breathing. Constable David Weeks was the first to arrive. Tammy is rushed to the hospital. And in his subsequent report, Constable Weeks noted that Carla claimed Tammy vomited after a night of drinking. He also notes a bright raspberry-colored burn on Tammy's face that extends from the left side of her mouth to her chin all the way down covering part of her neck. Oh, shit. Halothane. Mm. Chemical burns. Ah. Mm. Nobody thought of that. Nope. Uh, so despite the constable's repeated suggestions, Paul and Carla deny any drug involvement. Mm-hmm. While he's questioning the couple, he receives a call from the hospital, which was St. Catherine's General Hospital, that Tammy had been pronounced dead. He informs the couple and then goes upstairs to tell other family. When he returns to the basement, he finds Carla putting sheets in the washer. He was, he couldn't stop her in time. Um, These were the sheets that Tammy was laying on before her death, supposedly. Right. Um, He was only able to pull soaking wet sheets out of the washer, which potentially ruined evidence that was on them. Yeah. Carla and her sister Lori were weeping, holding each other while Paul sat on the couch distraught. The investigation resulted in Tammy's death being ruled accidental despite the burn on her face and neck. So they just ignored that. Wow. What the fuck? Carla ended up saying that she felt that the burn was caused from the vomit that Tammy was laying in. I'm sorry, what did you eat? Yeah, your stomach acid is going to fucking burn your skin? What did you eat that burned your face off? Yeah. Jesus. So Taco Bell ain't doing that shit. No. mm -mm. So the cause of death was officially listed as choking on her own vomit. Not asphyxiation, nothing. No, like this was like official choking on her own vomit. College kids that apparently, yeah. Did the autopsy. Uh, The manner of death was ruled accidental after a night of drinking. This is creepy. 
At the funeral for Tammy, Paul was seen stroking Tammy's hair. That's fucking weird. Uh, It's also discovered after a 1993 exhumation that either Paul or Carla had put a picture of the two of them in her casket. Dude. Yeah, so it was probably him. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my God, these guys are weird. Oh, hang on. Uh, Paul and Carla began videotaping themselves having sex with Carla role-playing as Tammy. Carla would talk about how much she enjoyed watching Paul rape Tammy, and they would reenact the sexual encounter with Carla wearing Tammy's clothes and acting as Tammy. Not creepy at all. I mean, I I get you want to be freaks, but like... That's a bit much. Whoa. (laughs) That's like there's freak, and then there's like... Ken and Barbie killers. Nut job. That yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing though. So I'll tell you. Uh, after Tammy's death, Paul and Carla moved out of her parents' home to allow them to grieve Tammy's death. They moved into a bungalow in Port Dalhousie, Dalhousie, and it was pink. The whole house was Ew. pink. Just thought I'd tell you that. Funny how when they moved, the attacks in Scarborough stopped. Oh. Huh. Look at that. Um, on June 7th of 1991, excuse me, they got engaged um, December um, of 89. Okay. I forgot to say that. Sorry. Gotcha. So on June 7th of 1991, Carla brought Paul a surprise wedding gift. These Their surprise gifts need to stop. I they're, like their surprise gifts. They're a bit much. <laughs> uh, she brought what? home a girl. Babe. Yeah. She brought him a girl she worked with. Maybe take notes on this one, babe. Uh, no, because this one's just as bad. Um, her name was redacted, so they called her Jane Doe. Her drink was laced with halicon, which is a sedative. After the girl passed out, they filmed themselves raping her. And the next day, the victim woke up with nausea and no recollection of what had happened. Jeez. Now, we'll hear more about Jane Doe later. Okay. Which I had no idea. Uh, June 15th of 1991, Paul was stealing license plates and stopped in Burlington, which is halfway between Toronto and St. Catharines. He then saw 14-year-old Leslie Mahaffey sitting outside her home. She had missed curfew after attending a funeral, and her parents locked her out. Yeah, but they feel like shit now, huh? Can you imagine that? No. Um, She couldn't find anywhere to stay for the night, so she was sitting in her backyard on the backyard swing. Paul approached her and said he was going to break into the neighbor's house. She apparently did not give a shit because she asked if he had any cigarettes. (laughs) He led her to his car, blindfolded her, and forced her into the car. Sorry. He then drove her to the house in Port Dalhousie, Housie, where he took Carla um, and said he had a, quote, playmate for them. The pair proceeded to torture and sexually abuse Leslie while listening to Bob Marley and David Bowie. No offense to them. That just happened to be yeah, what they were listening kind to. Of, kind of a weird... It's a like one end to the other. Like, I feel like if you're going to be doing something like that, like maybe Slayer in the background or Megadeth. I don't know, but they're like screaming. Maybe they didn't want screaming. I feel like Bob Marley, though. Come on. He's like a smokes and pot be happy kind of dude. Not like rape and torture. Or maybe Sublime or something. Yeah, Sublime would be good. I could see Sublime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now we're officially creeps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We ain't the only ones who thought it. Don't worry. 
so they obviously videotaped the whole fucking thing. Um, Paul at one point said, quote, you're doing a good job, Leslie, a damn good job. The next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Right now, you're scoring perfect. Okay. Some of the stuff I read, I'm like, I I don't know what to say. (laughs) And I always have fucking something to say. Like, I'm never like, what the Should I score you on cleaning? Yeah. (laughs) Again, are your motherfucking hands painted on? You can wheel yourself over the fucking sink. Right? Right. Totally right. right, right. You can get into the bathroom, too. Just saying. Yeah. Go see that toilet. That thing's clean as fuck, because I definitely cleaned that bathroom today. Good job, baby. Um, so the assault only escalated. At one point, you can hear Leslie on the tape crying in pain and begging Paul to stop while he was sodomizing her. And her hands were bound with twine. We probably shouldn't joke around when I get to this part yeah, of this. Yeah, I so. was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, sorry. Later in the tape, Leslie said her blindfold seemed to be slipping, which I really, really wish she wouldn't have fucking said because this had the pair worried that she may have seen them Mm. and would have been able to identify them. Yeah. So they killed her the following day. Oh, fuck. Um, Paul claims that Carla did it by giving her a lethal dose of hell. I think it's Halicon. Um, Carla claims that Paul strangled her, so they both have different stories, obviously. Regardless of who did it, they both put her in the basement, and then the following evening, Carla's whole family came over for dinner. Oh. Yeah. How sweet. What was for dinner? I don't know. I'm trying not to be aggressive with my page turning. I know. You're doing good. It's like super thin paper, that's why. Um... So after the um, Homoka family left, Paul and Carla decided that they needed to get rid of Leslie's body. And they decided that the best way to dispose of the evidence would be to dismember Leslie and encase the parts of her in cement. Paul went to the hardware store and bought 12 bags of cement because that's not suspicious at all. No, not at all. Which he kept the receipts for like a fucking idiot. Because they found him. And they used him at his trial. You fucking idiot. Listen, you scan genius. them bitches for receipt, pal, and then you throw them out. Fucking genius. So, he then said he used his grandfather's circular saw to cut up the body. They then made numerous trips to dump the cement blocks in Lake Gibson. I have to yawn. <laughs> Which is about 11 miles um, from their home. Did you like my yawn that I did for you? Yeah, it was great. Um... One of the blacks weighed about 200 pounds, which was trying the pair's patience. Are What? I'm five, so please laugh at my jokes. You're hilarious. Are you done? God, you hate me. All right. Well, tell a joke because I'm going to get a monster. I don't know any jokes. Tell a dad joke. Babe, my brain doesn't work. See, I'm certainly not fucking by that. Oh, dear Lord. Here we go. Oh, people, I am sorry. I'm sorry you had to deal with my wife all alone. One time and I'll never do again. One time. So is this monster 10 for the day? You know what? How about you quit being Judgy McFucking Judgerson? How about that? Take a sip. God, jerk. 
You know what word I heard the other day that I'm going to start using? What? Dingus. You're a fucking dingus. Yeah, you know, I've heard that a while back and I wanted to start using it. Well, I'm going to start using it. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. I, I approve. Dingus. Okay. Well, you're a dingus. So they ended up making one of the blacks um, too big, and it was about 200 pounds. Um, and at this point, obviously, their patience was running low, and um, they were fucking wieners because they couldn't lift it into the water. Yeah. So they just left it. Oh, great. Just left it. Cool. No big yeah, deal. it'll be good there. Um, pretty sure this is where her fucking head was in, like the black that her head was in. Yeah. So... On June 29th, my birthday, mm. of 1991, the black was discovered by a father and son on a fishing expedition. How terrible would that be? Well, like, going fishing with your kid. Like, I couldn't imagine taking Jax on, like, a fishing trip or something. And, and like, then, seeing a foot sticking out? And then all of a sudden, a fucking dead body comes up. Well, like, I try... Oh, hey, son, don't worry. Jax would be like, can I touch it? Yeah, he would. He totally would, but... And fucking elbow normal, drop from... Normal children would not. <laughs> right. Now, I don't know if, well, like... wouldn't that be fuck, fucked up? Yeah. Like... There's one... There's a story called Lady of the Lake I'll tell you about, too, because that's fucked up. Now, I've never... I shouldn't say I've never stumbled across a dead body because I have. I was at work and we were going over railroad tracks. What the fuck? What is that motherfucking body over there? So, yeah. Okay. I've stumbled across oh, a body. I've stumbled over a few too. But <laughs> literally. Generally, when I'm going, you know, when I see a dead body, I'm going for the purpose of seeing yeah. said dead body. Yeah. So, I don't know how I would feel if I just like, hey, that guy's dead. I still I still got, don't think I would be like meh. I still got scared. It's <laughs> Do you remember the rapper in the basement? Yeah. When I had to go in there alone. Oh no. I babe, I swear to god like I had one Every if if anyone was in there with me, <laughs> like my manhood would have been <laughs> I fucking creep in inside and I know he's in the basement. Right. But, like, the CSI, you know, I won't say his name, but he was outside, and he's yeah. like, hey, Cash, go take a look. You yeah. Know, he's in the basement. Um, You know, he's, like, under the staircase. You know whatever. they're there, but they're yes. still waiting for you. Like, you're still waiting them, you know, to jump up and be like, what? Dude, <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. When I first see him, I, uh, hey. <laughs> he's dead. You He's know what, curled though? up in a ball, Listen, dead, and in, I say hey to him. In your defense, the last one that I thought was dead told me his name. Yeah, that's... So yeah. I thought for sure he was dead. We had one little little old Polish lady with her babushka and everything. On. Just on, at the bottom of the stairs, it looked like she got tired and just sat down to take a break. And the Harvey Cap wouldn't go down there. And yeah. he's like, well, you go down there. I was like, no, she's fucking dead. I just threw a rock at her. Like, she didn't move. Now it's your job. I'm not going down there. My job is done here, sir. <laughs> right. I am going. That one still scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Just little old lady. I don't know. They freak me out. But then at the morgue, it's like totally different. It didn't do anything to no. me. It was like un almost un unreal. Remind me to tell you something when we're done. Okay. That Leah finally admitted to me last night. Which I laughed for about a fucking hour. It's 100% not funny and I'm going to hell, but yeah. All right. So I don't know if part of her was like sticking out of this concrete 
or if they were just like, why is there 200 block of cement yeah, sitting on the shore? And that's here. why they called. I don't yeah. know. But her orthodontic appliance was crucial in identifying her, which is what makes me think her head was in that yeah, chunk. You're probably right. Um, so do you want to know what else happened on June 29th of 1991? Besides your birthday? Besides my birthday, my ninth birthday. Mm-hmm. What happened? Paul and Carla got married. Oh, they did. They did. They had a fabulous wedding, which, by the way, pissed their parents off, her parents off, because they're like, your sister just fucking died and you still have to have your wedding. And she like stomped her feet and was like, nah, I have to be the bride. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think that's the picture that I found that it I'm going to upload. With like, the. They're in the limo. Obnoxious fucking yeah. sleeves and she's wearing her hair down, which and makes me want to tie her hair in a ponytail because it's driving me nuts. And it's funny because their faces look like we just fucking killed someone. And they're happy about it. Yeah. No, they like. Look at the picture when I post it. So like they're kind of stone faced. Like. So he's blonde in that one, right? Yeah, I okay. think so. So that's what the sketch is, is blonde. I'll have to show you. So it was a lavish ceremony in Niagara on the Lake, complete with a pheasant dinner and horse drawn carriage, Ooh. followed by a Hawaiian honeymoon. Damn. Yeah, what the fuck? Man. You know, they didn't pay for that shit. He, he's smuggling cigarettes. Our fucking honeymoon was to a strip club. After, well, first we went to TGI Fridays. Yeah. And then true. we went to a bar. And then, yeah, then we did end up at a strip club, didn't Fuck we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Hm. Rock and roll. Shocking. <laughs> um, so those I'm not saying now. Okay, so they got married on that day. I almost knocked down the monster. Um, so on April 16th of 1992, it was the day before Good Friday, Paul and Carla were driving through St. Catharines looking for victims. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now tell me these people aren't fucking monsters. Oh, a hundred fucking percent. Yeah. And it gets... She's not stupid, though. I'll give her that. Um, so when they passed Holy Cross Secondary School, which is a main Catholic high school in the north end of the city... They saw a 15-year-old student, Kristen French, walking home. They parked in the lot of a nearby church called Grace Lutheran Church. Carla got out of the car with a map pretending to need help. While Kristen was looking at the map, Paul attacked her from behind, forcing her into the car at knife point. Carla controlled the girl from the back seat by pulling her hair down. So, like, she 100% participated. Yeah. So Kristen would take the same route home uh, from school every day, making sure she was home in time to take care of the dog. It usually took her about 15 minutes. When she wasn't home shortly after she normally would have been, her parents panicked and were convinced immediately that she had met with foul play and they called police. Within 24 hours, Niagara Regional Police, which is NRP, that's what I'll say from now on, assembled the team and searched the area along her normal route. I got your fucking wallet's in the way. There we go. Well, sorry. Um, several witnesses that they spoke to had witnessed the abduction from different locations. Mm. One of Kristen's shoes was also found in the parking lot, proving the seriousness of the situation. Over the three days of the Easter weekend, Paul and Carla forced Kristen to drink large amounts of alcohol and be submissive, submissive to Paul. They videotaped themselves raping, torturing, and sodomizing Kristen. 
On April 18th, Paul went out to get pizza and was spotted by Carrie Patrick. Can I just stop you real quick? Did they save all these videos? I'll get there. Okay. Um, so he was spotted by Carrie Patrick. Now, a month prior, he had stalked um, her and her sister, Shanna. So they caught him, obviously, stalking and videotaping him, and they wrote down his license plate number, but it was the wrong license plate number. Now, they reported it to the MRP on March 31st, but like I said, they wrote down the wrong number, didn't have a great description of the car. So when Carrie spotted Paul on the 18th, she attempted to follow him home. Lost him on the way, but she was able to get a better plate number and description of his car. She reported this new info to the NRP, and the information was mishandled by the police, falling into what a judge would later call a black hole when investigating the investigation of these two. Oh, God. So this really negated any chance of Kristen being discovered at the Bernardo home, because yeah. if somebody would have handled it, they would have went to his house that night. Uh, the day after Carrie Patrick saw Paul, the couple murdered Kristen French. It was inevitable, though, because she was never blindfolded. So they knew pretty much they were going to kill her beforehand. Yeah. Uh, Carla said that Paul strangled Kristen for exactly seven minutes while she watched. And then Paul, in turn, said Carla beat her with a rubber hammer while she tried to escape. And that Kristen was ultimately strangled with a noose tied to a hope chest. Uh, immediately after she died, Carla went to fix her hair. Well, of course. Her bangs fell. I mean, fuck. Frosted tips. So Kristen French's nude body was found in a ditch on April 30th, 1992 in Burlington, which is about 45 minutes from St. Catherine's. This was actually a very short distance from where Leslie Mahaffey is, Mahaffey is buried. Yeah. Um, she had been completely washed off and her hair was cut off. Mm. It was originally thought that this was done to keep her hair as a trophy, but Carla later testified it was cut off to impede identification. Because that's going to work. Right. You fucking twit. Oh, God. Yeah. A month after Kristen French's murder, Paul was interviewed by two police officers, but they considered him an unlikely suspect even after he admitted to have been previously interviewed in the connection with the Scarborough Rapist. Now, at this point, they um, they filed to legally change their surname to Teal. Okay. And it was actually from a 1988 movie, and the lead, criminal something, and the lead um, character was a serial killer by the name of Teal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so in August of 1992, Jane Doe, she's back. Yeah. Was invited over again. Um, they mirrored what happened to Tammy, meaning she was sedated with sleeping pills and then had a cloth with the halothane held over her face because they didn't fucking learn the first time. Right. She stopped breathing while she was being raped. Um, Carla called 911, but her and Paul were able to revive her. Mm. So Carla calls 911 back and says the crisis has been resolved. <laughs> Uh, they're still coming. No, they're not. They disregarded the ambulance. Are you serious? I swear to fucking God, babe. Dude, <laughs> what is going on in Canada? <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember uh, going for a DOA, 
and they opened the door crack. Oh, she's okay. She's okay. And they went to close the door and the cop I was with stuck his boot in and yeah. he's like, no, no, you call us yeah. for a dead body. We We're have to make sure there's in. not a dead body. Right. Or other no. dead uh-uh. bodies. No, no, no. They, they disregarded the ambulance. Oh my God. What's going on up there? So here's the best part though. I don't know if she recalls that happening, that she like died and they revived her. Because she ends up testifying later that she was a frequent visitor to their home. Hmm. From February 1991 to Christmas of 1992. And most visits included sexual encounters, oral sex on Paul to keep Carla happy. Because he would say, if Carla's not happy, I'm not happy. And Um, Just like that? Yep. She did not want to have sex with him because she was a virgin and he was married. She did, however, promise Paul that he could be her first. What, what, what are you waiting for, then? Uh, well, she didn't have to wait long because he drugged her and raped her. So, according to her testimony, she didn't seem to remember most of the events. Uh, her mom found out and got pissed. And Jane Doe told Paul she was no longer interested in having sex with him. She said, quote, he got angry and said he didn't want to see me again. He said that I was worthless and I didn't deserve to live. In the living room, he picked up a picture of me and threw it across the room. Then he carried Carla to the bedroom and left me alone at the bottom of the stairs. For the, excuse me, the next 45 minutes while waiting for my mom, Paul stood at the top of the stairs staring at me. I have a lot of questions. Question one, why do you have a picture of her in your house? Yeah. That's framed, clearly, because he fucking threw it. <laughs> right. Okay. Two, why are you carrying Carla to the bedroom? Yeah. Are her legs painted on like your <laughs> hands are painted on? Can she not walk <laughs> they there? They might be, babe. Um, and this man just told you that you're worthless and you don't deserve to live, so you sat on his stairs for 45 minutes waiting for your fucking mother to pick you up? She in love. Bye. Yeah. And he's staring at you the whole time. Because that's not fucking creepy. That's not weird. He's planning your fucking death. Leave. It's time to go. Mom can pick you up at the corner. (laughs) Right. I just... Well, then her mother testified and said she, quote, couldn't imagine why a married couple would be so interested in a girl who was six years younger and ten years younger. Because obviously they were different ages. Yeah. Um, well, good question, Mom. Why'd you let her keep fucking going over there? Yeah, right. I mean, you knew she was there because you picked her up. Yep. So who dropped her off? My yeah. guess would be you. Huh. Go mm. figure. Yeah. So now the Green Ribbon Task Force was created to investigate the murders of Leslie Mahaffey. I'm saying that wrong every time. And Kristen French. Um... This is when the couple, when they, again, tried to legally change their name. Uh, At the end of May, an acquaintance of Paul by the name of John Modell reported to a tip line that he thought Paul was a possible murder suspect for them. In December of 1992, the Center of Forensic Sciences finally started testing samples from the 130 people that were taken um, from people three years ago for the Scarborough rapist cases. This included the samples taken from Paul. Yeah. Uh, the FBI produced a profile for the Scarborough rapist, slash they also called them the schoolgirl rapist. Hmm. 
They did two, uh, one in 1988 and one in 1992. So the one in 92 was, uh, typically this type of offender starts his attacks in an area which he is familiar. Anger is the primary behavior exhibited by the offender during his attacks, and his intent is to punish and degrade the victims as he is angry with all women. Probably because his mom. Yeah. Mommy issues. His anger is unmistakable when observing the excessive physical force he used against the victims. The sadist, um, the sadist achieves gratification by the victim's response to his attempts to dominate and control her, either physically or psychologically, by posing a question that would make the victim beg for her life. This pattern is predictable in the case of the sexual sadist. Abduction of a victim virtually guarantees a murder will result. If the sexual sadist has held the victim, he feels in his own mind that he can't possibly let them go. As the fantasy escalates, he needs more control and gains that through abduction and forcible confinement of his victims. The ultimate fantasy of a sexual sadist is to totally possess his victims, both physically and psychologically. He seeks to achieve control over their life and ultimately over their death as well. Rapists identified as sexual sadists are statistically less than 2% of all types of these offenders, which I was surprised about. Hmm. Um, there is a high probability that the Scarborough rapist and the sexual sadist murderer of Mahaffey and French is the same offender. So that's the first time they were ever linked. Right. On December 27th of 1992, Paul beat the ever-loving fuck out of Karlov with a flashlight. Um, he beat her on the limbs, the head, and the face. He fucked up her face. Yeah. Fucked up her face. Wow. Um, she returned to work on January 4th, 1993, saying she'd been in a terrible car accident. Mm. Her coworkers called bullshit and then called her parents, who, quote, rescued her by physically removing her from the home the next day. She went back in frantically looking for something. The tapes. Oh. She was then taken to St. Catherine's General Hospital, where her injuries were documented, and she gave a statement to the NRP, claiming to be a battered spouse and filed charges against Paul. She was pissed. He beat the fuck out of her. Yeah. Um, Which is shocking. Like, I'm sure it wasn't the first time he'd hit her. Right, right. But, like, I'll show you pictures, too, because there's pictures of her face. Oh, she got fucked up. Oh, he fucked her up. He must have hit her with a fucking mag light. Like, oh. he, he got her good. Um, he was arrested, but later released on his own recognizance. That I can say, but I can't say fucking unconscious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Carla moved in with her aunt and uncle in Brampton. 26 months after the samples were taken and submitted, Toronto police were informed that Paul Bernardo's DNA matched that of the Scarborough Ooh. rapist. And he was put on 24-hour surveillance. Nice. Metro, Metro Toronto. See, now you just fucked me up. I'm sorry. Metro Toronto Sexual Assault Squad, which makes there me want to do the law and order thing. Um, dun, dun, dun. They interviewed Carla on February 9th of 1993. They told her their suspicions of Paul, but she really focused only on the abuse of her. Later that same night, though, Carla told her aunt and uncle that Paul was the Scarborough rapist and that they were involved in the rapes and murders of Leslie and Kristen. Wow. She also said that the murders were videotaped. 
At this point, now the NRP reopens the investigation of Tammy Hamolka's death, and this is when they re-exhume her. Yeah. Or they exhume her, and that's when they find the picture. Right, right. Uh, February 11th of 1993, Carla met with Niagara Falls lawyer George Walker, who sought full immunity from St. Catherine's Crown Attorney Ro- uh, Ray? Yeah, Ray Houlihan in exchange for her full co- cooperation. Carla was also put on 24-hour surveillance. In February 13th of 1993, the couple's name change was actually approved. The following day, Carla's attorney met with Murray Siegel, who is director of the Crown Criminal Law Office. Walker told Siegel of the videotapes of the rapes, which Carla had. Uh, Siegel stated that given the involvement of Carla, full immunity was not possible. Mm -hmm. On February 17th of 1993, the Metro Sexual Assault Squad and Green Ribbon Task Force detectives arrested Paul Bernardo on numerous charges. The Metro Sexual? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Metro Toronto Sexual. <laughs> I read it and I was like, that's not right. That, that's the best name ever yeah. for your unit. <laughs> so Metro Toronto. So, yeah, not, not the Metro Sexual Squad. What are they all like show up looking like... So. 98 degrees well you have not slept in five days i have slept maybe two hours and could you imagine if they all showed up as like in sync like on the progressive commercials yeah oh yeah sorry two third or three what do they say three fits of nsync you're not needed today uh search warrants were issued but were very limited due to the weakness of paul's link to the murders all videos found were to be viewed in the house that's part of it uh, damage was to be kept. This this one I kind of left. Damage was to be kept to a minimum. No walls could be destroyed looking for tapes. Do you go in with a sledgehammer? Mm, it I, depends on what kind of a search I mean, warrant. Can you? Is that something you can do? Uh, I can't. I'm not going to say yes, and I'm not okay. going to say no. Um, but you you document the damage that you caused. Well, yeah, yeah. I figured. But, I mean, if there's a justified reason, I mean, if they're specifically yeah. holding something in a wall and you put that in the search warrant, yeah. then by by all means, yes. But if it's not in the search warrant, good luck. Yeah. If you're going in there and... <clears throat> well, so the search ended up lasting 71 days uh, with updated warrants along the way. The only tape that was found was a short segment of Carla performing oral sex on Jane Doe, who it was voluntary, according to her. Um, On May 5th, 1993, Walker was informed the government was ready to offer Carla a 12-year plea bargain. If she declined it, she would be charged with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, and other crimes. On May 14th, she accepted it, and it was finalized between her and the Crown, and she began giving statements. A publication ban was imposed by Mr. Justice Francis Kovacs of the Ontario Court General Division. However, this ban is not recognized past Canada's borders, so ridiculous rumors started, obviously, here in America. And people were actually trying to sneak bootleg copies of a current affair. Oh, really? Across the border. Because, like, in Canada, they had no fucking idea what was going on. Yeah. And here, if you have a New York reporter in Canada, he can come back here. That ban's no longer, you know. Yeah. So, 
Jamie Cameron, who is a professor of law at Osgoode Hall, noted, quote, at the time of the Homoka trial, three features of the case worried and concerned the public. Little was, I'm almost done, don't worry. Little was known of the respective roles of Carla and Paul um, and the killing of their victims. By spring of 1993, it was clear that the Crown's case against Bernardo depended on Homoka's evidence. So basically, for Paul to be convicted, uh, Carla's story had to be believed. Right. So they portrayed her as the victim um, of his predatory behavior, and her responsibilities for the crime were diminished and her credibility as a witness preserved. She did state multiple times that Paul had abused her, and obviously she had the shit kicked out of her to prove it, uh, and that she had been an unwilling accomplice. After the plea bargain was solidified and there was no going back, now the tapes come out. Many tapes showing Hamokal being a more active participant that she claimed are revealed. Therefore, the Canadian press dubbed her plea bargain, quote, deal with the devil. On May 18th of 1993, Carla was arraigned on two counts of manslaughter. On the same day, Paul was arraigned on two counts of kidnapping, unlawful confinement, aggravated sexual assault, first-degree murder, and dismemberment. The same day, Paul's attorneys viewed the tapes for the first time. Now, they held on to them because they were planning on using them to kind of catch her up at her preliminary hearing. The preliminary hearing never happened. She took a fucking plea deal. So there's no preliminary hearing. She was tried on June 28th of 1993, but there's really not much known due to the publication ban. Right. In February of 1994, Carla divorces Paul. In the summer of 94, Bernardo's attorney, Ken Murray, begins questioning serious ethical issues with the tapes. He still has them. What? He held on to these tapes for 17 months. Now, if he would have released them, yeah. she, there's no way she would have gotten the plea deal. Because they would have seen it. Yeah. So he contacted his attorney. And his attorney said, seal the tapes, give them to the judge, and recuse yourself. Yeah. So that's what he did. Yeah. Um, as a result of this, the tapes were not shown at trial. They were only heard. But there was no going back on her plea bargain. Deal's a deal. Yeah. So... On on September 1st, 1995, Paul Bernardo was convicted of several charges, including two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of aggravated sexual assault. He was sentenced to life without parole for 25 years. Now, so this is what I was going to say. She's not stupid. He and he's fucking nuts. So apparently they have something called a psychopathy checklist, and he scored a 35 out of 40. Whoa. Which deemed him a dangerous offender and will most likely not be released because of this. Yeah. Do you want to know what she scored? What? Five out of 40. Oh, she fucking lied. She's smart. That's, I don't think, you know. Why why would you answer truthfully on that? Right. Well, he fucking did. And then in February of 06, he actually admitted to 10 um, previously unknown attacks. Now, I didn't include in here, there was a list of about nine yeah. attempted attacks that could have been tied to them. But these are ten more in addition to that. 
So he has been up for parole multiple times, the last one being June 22nd of 2021, and they're like, fuck you, you ain't getting out. So I guess in Canada, if you are designated a dangerous offender, they they can deny you for parole. You still have to go up for parole every two years, whether you want to or not. Right, but they can. But they can they can tell you to get fucked every time, which they should. So Carla served her time at the Kingston's Prison for Women, and actually she passed up parole options. She decided to not do it. She ended up taking sociology courses and later graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology. Wow. From Queen's University. I mean, you might as well have got one in fucking criminal justice, too. Yeah. How about it? So she was released on july 4th of 2005 with very strict probationary restrictions per the families of the two murdered girls on november 30th of 2005 however a judge lifted all the probationary restrictions saying "Eh, she don't need them no big deal in 2006 she had a baby because she needs fucking kids in 2007, she moved to the Antilles, which I don't know what that is, and I didn't fucking look because you were staring at me to record. Um, as of January 2020, Carla has been seen in and out of Montreal. She is married with three children. Do you want to know who she's married to? Who? Her lawyer's brother. Get out of mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is after God. she had, like, multiple affairs in prison. Dude. And, like, fought about one of her. So she fucked a guard and then she was fucking another inmate who was in for robbery and they were reporting it as a lesbianic affair. And she's like, no, no, no. She identifies as a, as a man. So it's a boy. Dude, like the attorney, like, hey, bro, I, I got a winner. You got for this you. chick, man. Yeah. Like she puts out, dude. Who the fuck? <laughs> like, because I, I'm sure at, at some point the defense, her attorney saw the tapes. Yeah. And the wow. first thing you think of is your brother? <laughs> I think he what? hates his brother. <laughs> Jesus And she has kids. Yeah, and I told you before, I heard it on um, Morbid. She was in like um, like those mom groups on yeah. Facebook and shit. Like I'm on, you know? Yeah. And she was asking about recipes. And somebody created a fake, fake account using the name Kristen French. And was oh, like, I know what you fucking did. That's good. Oh, yeah. Like, completely fucking harassed her. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. You fucking so, deserve it. Yeah. So, she's wow. out. She actually looks like um, my cousin's wife now, mm. which is odd. I saw that today. I was like, ooh. <laughs> huh. So, she's out. He's but still he's in. still in. She so. only got 12 years. Man. How fucked up is that? How fucked up is it that she has a degree in psychology? <laughs> You're right. What if she's using that? I know. I know. So when I took the psychopath checklist, I only scored five. So let's see what you can do. What the fuck? Can you imagine getting signed up for a new therapist and you walk in and it's her? (laughs) What the (laughs) fuck? Babe, Uh, I'm telling you. This was a, a good one. That was an interesting one for you. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Because I, I knew nothing about it. So There's a couple more that I want to do. Um, I want to do the one for Tony, which yeah. I said I would do. It's It's got a lot of babies in it. So it'll, it'll take a little bit, but I'll get there. Stop hitting your mic. I don't care. Um, 
And then I know what I'm doing for the Patreon one. Okay. So, that one's pretty fucked up. I know which one I want you to do. What? The, but it's got kids also. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Shanahan one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I got a list of, like, four to do. Yep. Mm. Get to cracking. Yeah. Oh, what I wanted to tell you. Um, so Kelsey German, Liberty German's sister, tweeted the other day that um, that fucking guy who they caught with the nine-year-old in his basement, mm. that he's no longer considered, they're no longer commenting on him or any other person as a suspect. Doesn't surprise me. So they never commented on him being a suspect. They know. But, well, yeah, I know. know. And this just kind of proves it because they didn't say that he's not a suspect. Yeah. They didn't say that they don't have a suspect. They just said that they won't be publicly commenting on it anymore. They just, they got to wait till there's enough. enough And I'm telling you, I take it for what it's worth and whatever you guys want to fucking believe or not. But I think there's going to be a break in the case soon. And it's. Some people think it's a stupid fucking reason, but um, her sister said that she has dreams about her mm-hmm. like once every like several months in between where she can see her and hear her. And oh, wow. for the last week, she's had one every single night where she can see her and hear her. So I, I'm, I'm like, maybe that's your sister coming to you telling you that yeah. it's, it's happening. It's coming. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. I'm going to do that one, too. Yeah. It'll be a good one. But I think, so the next Patreon one is going to be Shanda Shear, which I'm sure you have no fucking clue about. Nope. So, yeah, that'll be one for you. Okay. Well. It's a high school love triangle. And we got another Patreon today. We did. We did. And I have to look, and I don't know where my phone went somewhere. So. Yeah, because we'll I give a shout out next suck. Time yeah, I'll do it the next one. Um, but you guys are awesome. Yeah, thank you guys. Like keeping up, like you guys coming in and supporting us, it's it means the world. Yeah, it really does. We really did not expect this. Um, no, you know this was just kind of a fun thing just for our time because we're not the kind of couple that goes yeah. out. And- I legit full on panic though when I had to do that one when I had to do Aaron Hernandez on my own. At, yeah. I started and stopped it like four fucking times to the point Jax was finally like, Ma, can you just fucking do it tomorrow? Like, just do it tomorrow. <laughs> so. No, I thought you did a good job. Uh-huh. But I, I did miss yeah. being on there. Yeah, it's better with you. Oh. And you're painted on fucking hands. Baby, you're so sweet. The podcast is better with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you want to let everyone know. Where they can so, find us. So, we are on Twitter. Hang on, I gotta move my microphone. At DDUP Podcast. We are on Instagram at DDUP underscore podcast. We are on Gmail at DDUPpodcast.1 at gmail.com. We are on Facebook as Jam Cash and as Death Do Us Part. Mm-hmm. And then our Patreon page is patreon.com forward slash death do us part one. Now, pretty soon we're going to be doing pretty frequent Patreon. 
episodes. Oh, so, we're going to be doing... Yeah, when I told Mark how many bonus episodes I want to do a month, he about peed himself. Yeah, I honestly So, did. But, um, so if you guys want to want to be able to hear, you know, all the episodes, um, you're going to have to check out, yep. you know, one of the tiers. Yep. Um, and that way you will have access to all of them. So... 387 more. Then you could quit your job. Not that I'm counting. Not even a little bit. So, you guys are the best. Yes. Please keep listening. I love when people tag me on Facebook and tell me that they're listening to us on a road trip. Yeah. So, Sarah, thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you guys. We really appreciate it. So. so, now that Mark's back, he can do all the Facebook promotion shit because... Yeah. I don't know how to fucking do it. I don't care. I, I don't I don't know how to learn how to do it. I shouldn't say I don't care. I don't know how to learn how to do it and it frustrates me. Yeah, that's so it's alright. So I, you can I do it. it. Well, alright guys, we will be recording again in a few days. Yep. Hope you enjoyed this one and please keep supporting us, listening, follow, subscribe, leave a review. Yes. Like and review, please. Yeah, please. And I think that's about it. I think that's it. So hope you guys enjoyed this one, and we will be talking to you very soon. Bye. Bye. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.